I didn't really pay attention too much to uh, what was expected of me uh, as a student or as a graduate of law. I really paid more attention to the things that I enjoyed doing, uh, like paying attention to small businesses and uh, starting businesses of my own. By law students. For past, present, and future law students. Bringing you information to help your career. This is The Law School Show with Rishi and Chris. Chris, how's it going, bro? Rishi, it's going fantastic. I'm going to come out and be bold and say that spring has arrived. I'm loving this warmer weather. I'm completely on board with you, man. This week has been fantastic. Definitely has. Who do we got today? We got Miss Leela Banjamali. She is founder of Bedrock Law Firm in San Francisco, California. If you want to learn more about Bedrock, check out bedrocksf.com. Not only does she have her own firm, but she's also the founder of Startup Documents, a venture that focuses on people who are starting their own businesses and want to incorporate their business in Delaware. That's right. It makes it easy. It puts the power in their own hands. If you want to learn more about Startup Documents, go to startupdocuments.com. What do we talk about? Well, one of the first things that we spoke about in the interview, which was really interesting, was the fact that after she left university, uh, which was in U- University of Ottawa, she actually did not practice law for about four or five years. Yeah, she also talks about really not being the best law student. She said that she actually failed some exams, she was close to failing courses, but while she was doing that, she was following other interests of hers, and that experience in totality really contributed to where she is today in her career. Exactly, man. We cannot emphasize that point enough, how important it is to just to follow your passions, because... At least I've found a lot of times in law school, uh, we end up focusing on marks a lot and kind of lose our interests and passions along the way. Yeah, try and look away from what you think you should do and look more toward what you want to do. Leela has a, a beautiful, calm confidence about her that I'm sure is a big reason um, why she is where she is today. Definitely. And that is what led to her actually starting her own firm. She talks about how that came off the ground. And she also talks about how startup documents went from zero to one. Yeah. And she has some great advice for law students who are going through the process uh, right now and what they could do in law school to really take their own legal education in their own hands. Yeah, I loved it. So as always, if you want to interact with us, go to thelawschoolshow.com. And if you want to help our mission of giving unencumbered access to career forwarding information, please do tell a friend. That's it. It's that simple. Enjoy. Here's a conversation with Layla. How are you doing? How are you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're doing fantastic. Sitting in a barren classroom at the University of Ottawa. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to picking your brain a little Yeah, bit. it brings back memories for me sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing, you know, that, that really stood out when you were talking today in the talk, that you kind of branded yourself as an entrepreneur and a startup lawyer. So is that something that was intentional, that's something you thought about, or it kind of just happened along the way since you graduated law school? Yeah, it kind of just happened. I didn't really pay attention too much to uh, what was expected of me uh, as a student or as a graduate of law. I really paid more attention to the things that I enjoyed doing, uh, like 
paying attention to small businesses and uh, starting businesses of my own, yeah. even if they were just silly little websites that you know I designed on my own or I yes. le- I taught myself how to design and develop. Uh, so that was really um, uh, the beginnings of it all. Yeah. So well, let's start it off with you being in law school and you just talked a bit about how you were doing tennis while you were in law school and probably not the best student. So when you were in law school, did you know you wanted to actually practice law later on or you wanted to go in the entrepreneurial side? Yeah, I definitely didn't uh, know that I wanted to practice law. I knew that I wanted to use it as a business tool. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I had an interest in music and I thought that I would use it to become a music executive and that, that I would get into the music industry sort of as a backdoor uh, of that of that industry. But uh, as I, uh, you know, started to come to school, I had I learned this different perception of what I thought law was, especially when I took classes from, uh, you know, Professor Michael Geist yeah. on uh, uh, legal technology. At the time, it was called uh, e-commerce law he was teaching. And yeah. uh, I, I learned that there's a whole world out there that is really the future of, of uh, you know, small business and, and future of ideas. And so that that's really what caught my attention. But nothing to do with uh, the actual legal practice itself so so yeah I, I, and then I, I forget what, what the question was actually so <laughs> could you repeat that <laughs> well it was, it was whether you knew you wanted to oh yeah career in law yeah or, no I didn't know no, no. All, all that to say I didn't know so yep. why did you come to law school in the first place uh, well uh, like many students I just got into a really good law school and I didn't have any particularly exciting things happening at the time and I thought I would just try it and uh, you know, I would say it was probably the best of some mediocre choices that I had uh, but then when I actually embarked on my uh, education here, I realized how valuable it was and what a gold mine I had accidentally uncovered upon. So Rishi and I know because we were at this talk, and maybe we'll just lay that there for the rest of the interview. Yeah. That let's stop referencing the talk. Yeah. So if there's if there's some stuff that we're saying that you listener don't quite catch up on, you will soon. So you said you failed exams. Yeah. Did you fail courses in law school? Flat out failed it. Yeah. No, I just failed the exams, and then I just started paying more attention to studying, yeah. and then I caught up so that I could not fail the course. Uh, but uh, if uh, it, it was really close at some points, and uh, you know, I, I think um, for a while I was uh, thinking that you know maybe the law school uh, accidentally uh, graduated me, and so uh, <laughs> so I think that there is a. a a, a, a sort of acceptance that happens with that process too, uh, that it's okay to not be good at this stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite get it then, but I, I know now that it really didn't matter that whether I failed or not. And you didn't let that stop you at all. So what, what did you do right after you graduated law school? Did you actually go through the articling route at all or no? No, actually I had uh, done my undergrad in uh, San Francisco at the University of San Francisco and I knew that I wanted to go back there so I just moved back not knowing what was going to happen next but uh, I did look into what it would take to pass the California bar exam and I, I had to uh, do a master's, it was one of the yeah. options, so I did and uh, during that time period as I had done in law school I absorbed so many things outside of law um, that caught my interest and so um, you know, I, I remember even like working in retail at one point. Uh, nothing related to law at all, just so I could sort of make some money on the side and um, talk to people, random people. Yeah. And uh, that was really great networking for me, actually. Probably better than what I would have gotten if I was sitting in a, in a law firm behind a desk. Yeah, I worked in a bunch of restaurants, and that was like invaluable in terms of my, my social etiquette, just the ability to build rapport quickly. Um, okay, I want to ask you a few technical things. So as a, I'm a Canadian that doesn't have U.S. citizenship. So can I write the California bar 
just go write it. You were saying something about having a master's. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you can. I I uh, believe that you need a social security number to do it. Mm -hmm. So um, if you if you're able to get a U.S. social security number, I believe you can take it then. Or some exception to that, uh, you'd have to contact the, the State Bar of California to, to learn about what their requirements are. But they have a very different system than they do here. So, um, I mean, I believe after the first year of law school, the State Bar requires all law students to take a particular kind of exam, which you wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to take here. Uh, so you have missed that. And then I think afterwards, uh, everyone takes a comprehensive exam and um, there's some requirements uh, additionally for students who are not... Uh, uh, don't go to a ABA accredited schools. Now, I believe in this recent um, history, the University of Ottawa has become ABA accredited. Is that correct? I don't know. We're yeah, not sure. I yeah. thought I thought it had. Yeah, because I mean, if if that is the case, then that would open the doors for um, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, access to taking exams in other states as well. I I believe I'm not sure, but yeah. So so I would just check with the uh, the state that you're interested in taking the bar exam in, and um, you know, seeing what they what they require. Okay, cool, cool. So you're you're out of law school, writing this bar, then what? What's the first thing? Yeah, so out of law school, I actually didn't take the bar for about five years. I oh, was wow. working, yes, yeah, so I was working, and then um, I was starting different businesses and just doing, like, random work and kind of getting my life together. So one of them was uh, Music Click, is an okay. online um, audio download site, royalty-free audio. Uh, so it's kind of like... Uh, Commons kind of thing? Uh, no, not really. Actually, it was... Um, I licensed uh, thousands of libraries of material from uh, Warner Brothers and Hanna-Barbera, you know, wow. cartoon, little snippets of audio, and I would uh, sell them, resell them through this website. And so, um, you know, if you were an advertiser or a music producer, you could just download it and use that audio clip in your production. Um, so I did that, and... Um, that did pretty well, and then I wandered down and did other things. I didn't realize at the time, because I didn't have experience, that you could grow a company and sell it or anything like that, mm -hmm. so that didn't go anywhere. So how did you actually start up, say, for instance, this music click? Like, what were the steps that you took leading up to starting this business up? How did you get the financing to actually get uh, these licenses, and what were some of the problems that you faced along the way? Yeah, so there's no financing required because all you do is um, you're you're basically drop shipping it. So you, uh, I set it up so that... Um, I would accept payments online from customers. I set up the entire site myself, uh, having taught myself how to use Dreamweaver, which at the time was a popular design yeah. uh, and development software. It was kind of like the do-it-yourself model. And um, I, I plugged it into a uh, an online e-commerce platform where I could create an online store, upload the images, create the prices, process people's credit cards, and then I would contact Warner Brothers or Hanna-Barbera and say, you know, we just sold whatever you know, uh, a library of cartoon sounds to Tom in Idaho, and then they would send it to him. Oh, so, cool. um, so there's no capital on my on my side. I was just sort of brokering the whole transaction. Yeah, kind of like an agent for the rights holder. Exactly, yeah. and it didn't cost me anything to set up. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, clearly, you understood that you were able to act as that agent um, before making those transactions, right? Right. So yeah. Did, did you search out like the Warner Brothers policy when it came to? You know, actually, I just read a book. Uh, it was, I think at the time, it was Four Hour Work Week by yeah. Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And I just read that and realized that the, uh, understood the concept of drop shipping. And I knew that I liked music. So I, I just did a Google search and learned that there's this program available. Um, you know, and I, I signed up as a licensee and, uh, you know, had an interview with them and they, they liked me and sort of uh, went from there. And then after that, you, so I hear the story about you getting your legal internship. Is that where it's very, very exciting? Can yeah. you talk, talk to, uh, talk? 
to us a bit about Sure. That? So after I moved to California, I kept in touch with uh, my, my, one of my favorite professors, Michael Geist. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he comes out there quite a bit uh, to Google and Berkeley. He was giving a talk somewhere and I basically went to see him and I, I wasn't working in law at all, but I, I didn't have anything sort of like a step in the door. So I did some legal research for him from far. And uh, that was my sort of the big name that I would drop. I was doing work for Michael Guys. And so uh, I actually ended up meeting the CEO of a company called Trustee. It was a big data yeah. privacy company. And took her out to lunch and mentioned his name. And, um, you know, that or it was probably the other way around. Mentioned his name, took her out to lunch. And uh, she connected me with their in-house counsel, which is what I was really looking for. Took him out to lunch, mentioned his name, <laughs> and then uh, eventually, you know, we, we went down the path of why don't you come to the office and, you know, yeah. Sort of see what we do. And I basically pitched it to him as I just want some experience. I don't want any pay or anything mm. like that. Okay. Uh, but they, they did um, uh, offer me um, a very small stipend. It was like $2,000 a month or something so that I could uh, have this internship. And I was only supposed to stay there for a few months, but they kept me for a year mm-hmm. um, until uh, they had a change in management. It was just time for me to move yeah. on to my next thing. And I passed the bar exam at that time, and so I just started my own law firm. Yeah. So, that yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> what was the transition like between you starting all these businesses and then deciding that you actually want to get some legal experience? Why? Why was the? Why was there a switch in that? Uh, you know, it was uh, basically I uh, I I saw that the two were so closely intertwined that I should just get anyways. I'd worked so hard up until that point that yeah. I thought, why not? Why Why would I just not get my license? So uh, I did. I did end up doing that, and um, I realized that if I did, I, uh, so many more doors would open up for me, uh, and you know. Um, it, it really was, I had, I felt like I had a little bit more clout um, having that sort of uh, license behind me. I was working with a company in New York called Rocket Hub. It's a crowdfunding platform. And then when I, you know, I'd be in the office with those folks and there'd be the accounting guy and the finance guy and the communications manager. And there was me who kind of just like knew people in the Canadian entertainment landscape. So I was basically just the connector. And I felt like I didn't have that hard skill to bring to the table, which was a huge impetus for me to get a law degree. So did you ever feel like, what am I? What is my skill? What's my thing? I seem to be able to do a lot well, but did you ever feel like? Um, maybe I, I might have. I, I might not remember that I felt that way, uh, but I could see myself. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, when you're still searching, it's really hard for you to sell anything to anyone because you're not 100 percent sure of what it is that you're good at or what you're providing. So you're always trying to fit into someone else's role for you. But when you have a better idea of uh, what you're capable of, what your qualifications are, and you're really clear about that, it makes it so much easier to um, you know, deliver services uh, in a more meaningful way and also to sell your services to mm-hmm. potential customers. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I think that, that there's probably some truth to that as well. What you said is, for me, you know, anyways, that uh, I had a hard time... Um, you know, finding myself because I, I hadn't really uh, followed through fully on my uh, law law studies or law career. Interesting. So it, it almost goes more to confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, like, yeah. And like, that's right. And as you know, like that, if you have that sort of vulnerability or even like a neediness, sometimes when you're when you're in those transactions, it comes across so loudly. It's just so much more difficult to to hit your mark. I find yeah. that's right. You need yeah. someone else's help to get there. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, so where but are we you, but, but you have the confidence, and then right after yeah. that, you started your firm, the Bedrock. And that's your first law firm that you kicked off. Right. How did you know you were going to get clients uh, starting this firm? 
So, uh, you know, that's a good question. So I was very active in the startup community. I did a lot of meetup style right. stuff. Uh, so mm -hmm. I already had a lot of connections. I had friends who were starting companies um, in Silicon Valley in San Francisco. And I figured, uh, you know, um, I kind of checked in with a couple of them and they were like, well, we'll totally use your services. And I really underpriced myself in the market, nice. um, was uh, probably did a lot more work than I would now because I had a lot more time on my hands. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's how I started up. But I didn't start off with the, the idea that I would be making a lot of money. I just started off with the idea that I need to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I really live frugally and uh, on a really tight budget. Um, and uh, that was it. But when I started Bedrock, I was just doing exactly what I was doing at the tech company in-house. Mm -hmm. uh, I just moved that practice into a private practice. And instead of servicing very, very large companies, you know, like um, GE and Facebook and Coca-Cola, I was working with really, really small ideas, uh, small startups, I should say, big ideas, small startups. Did you did you find the fact that you had done all that networking or build those contacts beforehand is what kind of gave you the confidence to start the firm up? So actually really investing throughout your career that those contacts is uh, kind of paid those dividends off maybe five years later. Yeah, definitely. I think if you uh, have, if you're a student and you're only focused on studying, uh, coming to law school and you make that your entire life, that's a very big mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you are someone who is going to take some uh, initiative and, you know, start a podcast, for example, or start a meetup group for something that you're interested in, you'll see all of a sudden uh, people will know you as the expert for that. And if there's ever any opportunity to, you know, interview someone or bring someone in as a speaker, then you're probably going to be the first person that they contact to make it happen. And uh, if you have access to that speaker or that person, then you will be able to leverage that for your own um, yeah. personal life as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of, it's, a, it's all about um, putting yourself out there and doing other things to get yourself in front of people who are also doing things. Yeah. Like what you guys are doing right now. Yeah. Which is a huge reason, uh, you know, behind our motivations for sure. Um, how long were you in San Francisco prior to starting Bedrock? Um, I think it was five years. Okay. I don't recall exactly. It was five or six years. Yeah. So that, that's pretty substantial in terms of building future clientele, right? That's exactly right, yeah. yeah. So um, so it was, you know, uh, I, I had already had a lot of friends in the startup community. And it was pretty helpful from that perspective. Cool. Let's talk about that community for a second. So a lot of interest from Canadians looking there as kind of like a mecca of technological yeah. innovation, a place where you can hit rich, you know, or if nothing else, a place where there's a lot of like-minded people who are really smart and into starting their own things and being creative and collaborating. And it just seems like there's a, a community. That's the key word that I, I perceive. And um, so, A, is that true? Is it a community vibe or is it, you know, or is it? sort of exclusive, what's some of the challenges, what's some of the good aspects? Yeah, yeah so uh, like I said in the, in the talk I just gave here, um, it's very, very hard. It's a very hard uh, market to be in. You know, a lot of people move to Silicon Valley or San Francisco because they want to start companies and they want to be in that energy. It's very, very exciting. And it's you can actually feel it in the air everywhere you walk yeah. at, uh, around in the south of market. We call it Soma area in San Francisco, uh, which is really the startup hub of the city, uh, at lunchtime, everyone is a techie. Every person, I mean, it, it seems like I, I can easily run into 10 people wearing Twitter shirts and 15 people wearing LinkedIn shirts or jackets. And, you know, I, I'm... LinkedIn people wear jackets? Yeah, I mean, talking, you know, it's like members-only club, right? And it's like talking, 
people talking in line at the, you know, at the deli counter about their next big idea. I mean, it's you can't even get away from it, yeah. uh, which is really cool. But it, it's also uh, a, uh, an environment that is um, it's it's got a lot of pressure to it as well because you're constantly thinking about well is my idea good enough or they're they're they've progressed so far with theirs and that company that's a competitor to mine has just gotten you know ten million dollars in funding why can't we get any and yeah. I mean there's a, a lot of that kind of stuff as well people jumping ship from one startup to another and you know that doesn't feel good if it's your startup and they're leaving so I mean there's a lot of those kinds of issues as well and um, you know the uh, the bright side is it's it's contagious it's exciting it's uh, yeah I think the excitement is is the greatest part but it's it's also very very hard and um, you know there's so much competition that uh, I think a lot of people also go back to the cities that they came from uh, having experienced it you know it's like the 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 um, uh, Tennessee Nashville Tennessee syndrome where people go there because they want to be musicians and uh you know you can sit at the airport and watch those musicians leaving with just dejection all over them yeah. uh with their with their um you know guitar cases so it's um it's definitely an experience that I would recommend but I don't think nowadays you need to leave anywhere to be able to innovate or right. launch exciting things this is an online world so you can do it from this classroom and create I mean, Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook in his dorm room, you know, yeah. and they asked him recently, you know, where would you have started uh, if you would to start all over again? And he said, I would just stay, I would just have stayed in Boston. He knew that he didn't have to leave the Silicon Valley to make it happen. Um, so, I mean, there's other challenges that are greater that you can, you can probably accomplish. Plus, California is a very expensive place to do business. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make things easier at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and to live. I mean, yeah. Exactly, yeah. right. So it seems like those meetup groups that pretty much people can do anywhere and finding those like-minded people is probably the first step that doesn't matter what location you are in, you can do that. And it's possible now with the help of technology and all these That's right. that we have available. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it's a mistake not to use meetup.com, yeah. um, you know, uh, if you're if you're looking to uh, do something. Definitely. So when you started your firm, you were alone. You didn't have anybody, any other lawyer that helped you start the firm. Right. When when was the time you realized that, hey, it's time to expand. i got to bring on some new people in the firm because right now you have three lawyers. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. So when I, uh, I realized that when I started to um, uh, refer out work that I wanted to keep in-house mm. and I thought that, well, you know, I'm, I'm starting to refer all these clients out for work that we should really be, I should really be doing or the firm should really be holding on to because once those clients were referred out, we would never see them again. So that lawyer would then start doing all the other work that I would normally have done. And, um, you know, it's nothing bad against them. It's just that it was, it was too bad that I was losing that work. And so, um, so I decided to, you know, I, I just put an ad on Craigslist to be quite honest. And I, yeah. And I, I got hundreds of applications. Um, you know, I, it was funny because I remember putting the ad out and, uh, for my the first position that was available, and I made it very clear that you know the person had to be licensed in California, and but I was getting all kinds of applicants from you know who weren't even licensed. I I had uh, legal outsourcing companies in India contact me, <laughs> and uh, I was you guys aren't getting me practice law here. What are you talking about? You know why are you even responding to this? So um, so after all that, I I um, really took my time to get to know a few of the candidates I thought were really interesting and came out of big firms or came out of interesting business businesses. Mm -hmm. And the requirement we have at Bedrock is that people have business experience, mm -hmm. not necessarily amazing legal experience, but 
really awesome business experience. Yeah. And that is um, absolute minimum because how can you advise businesses if you haven't that completely makes had sense. one on yeah. your own? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever reach a point while it was your first business or the second business that, that you started where you thought that, you know what, I just got to close it all up. Like I'm stressed out. This is not working. Did you ever hit that point? Uh, no, I, I didn't think that I closed it all up. More recently, I feel more stressed than normal, um, because I've taken on a lot of projects, but, um, you know, I don't think that I would, I would close it up per se. I think, uh, when that happens, I need to rethink, uh, the processes that we're currently using and try and figure out how can I continue to provide great service but take some of the responsibility off my own plate. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of that comes down to having team members that you can rely on, that you can trust. And so, um, and then also at home is having someone you can, you know, come home to or someone you can see regularly that will, uh, that you can talk to that isn't in your world, you know, yeah. even if it's just a friend that you can basically, um, you know, um, you yeah, it yeah. keeps you sane and, and grounded and takes you into their world maybe and, and you, you can talk about things not related to what you're doing. It, it, I think it makes a huge difference. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. So um, efficiencies, let's talk about first, I want to talk about efficiencies at work. So what are you doing? Give us a couple practical examples of how you're streamlining processes and being able to do more with less. Sure. So the first thing we do is when, when clients used to contact our firm, uh, we used to spend as much time as they needed in that initial conversation. And I thought that I was doing the right thing by doing that. But then I realized that, you know, a lot of potential clients want to take advantage of that. And, um, you know, if I, if I give too much time, uh, people really devalued my time, you know, and I was devaluing myself. So I, I limit that initial consultation to 20 minutes. And that forced me to become very concise about the questions that I ask. And you'll be surprised at how much you can get done in 20 minutes. I mean, you could really get a lot done. Uh, and then, you know, it forced the um, potential client to become very concise about their story. And we would probably learn very quickly whether we were the right fit in mm -hmm. that 20 minutes. Sometimes we're wrong, but most of the times we're right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's the first the first thing. The other thing that helped me streamline is uh, the website. Most lawyers get that really wrong. So they're still living in like a web 2.0 era where they see the website as something like a billboard where you just basically read the information and there's no interactivity on it. But our website has a lot of resources that people could read. They can contact us through the website on the web forms. And we have specific questions that we ask people when they contact us, um, you know, so that they provide that information at that starting point. We already have the information we need in order to, you know, set up that first meeting. So that's helped streamline a lot as well. Um, in terms of advertising, you know, we've used Yelp a lot, which is awesome. Uh, we get a lot of people from Yelp who are searching for attorneys and looking at their, uh, the, the feedback that other people have given on them, the reviews that people have left. Uh, so that's helped streamline the, um, uh, uh, marketing process and all of that that I just mentioned happens, uh, you know, it can happen anywhere. I can do that client intake on the phone, which is always the case, or I can, you know, do the marketing behind my, um, whatever in my, in my kitchen counter, you know, does, I don't have to, have to yeah. be in an office. Yeah. And I guess the other part you alluded to is that a lot about efficiency is, is balance, right? It, it's having the store inside you to be able to execute 
you know, concisely on that day. So you mentioned good employees, you mentioned having a sounding board at home, someone that you can, you know, trust in and get love from. What, what else? What, what's, you know, what's in your personal life that's helping you be a better professional? Uh, I think, you know, uh, you know, my parents for sure, my, my, uh, mom is someone I talk to every day. So that, that's the, the, probably the, one of the biggest ones. Um, and then, you know, I should give a shout out to my mom, actually. I haven't done that yet on the podcast. That's a good opportunity. Sorry. <laughs> shout out to the moms. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, the other thing is I try and, uh, stay active. So my friends and I, uh, try and do things like hiking and th- which you guys have here amazing uh the Gatineau um mm-hmm. you know area is awesome for that the trails I used to do uh um mountain climbing there cool. and wow. uh uh so that that's one thing I, I like to surf a lot I surf in California quite a bit um actually so that's something that really keeps me grounded and just really anything that takes you out of that uh zone you know where you're in your head a lot yeah and I I do believe I really stand by it I believe that the best ideas come to you when you're in the shower, you know, for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. It's just, yeah, it gets you into that flow state. <laughs> well, that's when you're like, okay, i got to think about something. I'm taking a shower. So that's when your mind just goes out and you're like, all right, yeah. you start solving some world problems at that point in time. You know, or or for me, a, a lot of my best ideas have come to me when I'm sitting on my surfboard in, you know, the cold waters of the Pacific Ocean looking out into the, you know, the, the darkness and waiting for a wave to come. And yeah. my mind is completely blank and not thinking about work. And at that moment, I can come up with some really amazing ideas. Do you think it's about okay, why? Why does that happen? Is it about creating space in your in your brain? Is it just about clearing thoughts and allowing something to come in? Or is it something? What do you think that is? I think when people try too hard to come up with the answer, that the answer, the best answer, never comes to them. I think when people do things like board storming, which is basically sitting in a boardroom and throwing your ideas up on a whiteboard or on post-it notes, um, really uninteresting and uninnovative things happen. But when you have this space um, to not be polluted from the outside, uh, you know, away from everyone else, then I think that you you have, um, uh, I think some amazing things can happen. And in fact, uh, one of your other questions about, you know, what's it like to work there as a startup entrepreneur um, in San Francisco, you know, a lot of people work in these co-working spaces, which are very, very popular right now. So spaces where they can pay a monthly fee and use a desk for a certain number of hours. And it's all startups. Like there's lots of them in San Francisco. And you're basically sitting next to all these other startups, each having different ideas. And, you know, it's a really great energy to be around. But, uh, that space also pollutes your own productive time because you're Mm -hmm. constantly having people giving their opinions to you and, you know, uh, pressure from, from people who you're sitting right next to. So, so I think it's really, really important to be comfortable with being alone and being quiet. It's almost like a double-edged sword, right? Because being in that environment kind of motivates you to a certain extent to go out and try to change the world because you're, you're like, I got to think bigger. I got to think better, which is a good environment to be around. But at the same time, you're right. And looking at what everybody else is doing can also bring you down at the same time. So it's, it's finding that right balance in your own head. That's right. uh, Whatever works for you. This sound lets you know that a sponsored message is coming up. Yushu and I want to be transparent with you guys and make it clear when a message is from a sponsor. Chris, we recently learned something new about financing your legal education. 
definitely did. We learned about the Scotia Professional Student Plan, something I wish I had known about three years ago when I started law school. Yeah, man, it's a neat program and has some unique benefits. It comes as a package, which includes a line of credit, credit card, and a checking account. Yeah, and it actually pays your monthly line of credit interest automatically using the money in your line of credit. It takes care of the interest payments for you. It's one less thing you have to worry about. And one more reason for you to focus on your contracts reading. Or maybe where to go out this Friday night. <laughs> That's true. To learn more about the Scotia Professional Student Plan, contact Greg Moore at gregA.moore at scotiabank.com. Or visit your local Scotiabank location where someone friendly will be happy to help you. You're doing a lot of things. You're, you're a musician as well, and you have your own firm that you run. You just recently started a new startup, right, the Startup Docs. Is there a morning routine that you have that you kick things off with every single morning that you keep consistent? Yep, so at uh, 7 a.m. every uh, morning I go to um, the gym in the in uh, where I live in my building, uh, and I uh, go for a really fast walk for half an hour. I'm not, I don't love running. I think it was because I was a professional athlete, so I try not to do really hard things. Um, you know, when it comes to physical activity, <laughs> I try and do things that I find to be fun. So I, as I'm doing my walk on the treadmill, I watch um, the news or I watch, you know, I like the, the home design channel for some reason. Uh, and then I basically um, uh, do some Pilates or lightweights or something. And I just, I think that one hour exercise routine gets me prepped. It really loosens my, my muscles up. It, it, I move my spine around a little bit and, um, that itself, there's lots of studies that have been done about, you know, moving your spine around in all different directions when the first thing, um, and it, it really gets the, um, the, the vessels moving and all of that liquid to your brain and all that stuff. And so it really is true. And, and so that's the first part of my morning. And then from there, uh, I, and at that stage, I haven't looked at any emails or anything like that and turned on my phone. And then from there, I, I, um, you know, take a shower and have breakfast. And at that moment, I'm looking at Twitter and reading the news that I missed um, mm -hmm. while I was sleeping and uh, being very selective about what I read. And then I turn it off and I start looking at emails and responding to those. Um, what time do you actually reach the office? Uh, well, you know, uh, a lot of times I'm working from my home office. Okay. So um, uh, I reach the office as soon as I get out of the shower. <laughs> and then... Uh, Sometimes I'm, I, I walk to work. Our office is just, um, maybe 10 minute walk from where I live. Sweet. So I walk there and, you know, I'm, I'm usually, uh, there pretty early. But, um, but yeah, it's usually my, my day. Fantastic. Can you recommend any podcasts or books to our listeners? Yeah, I hate podcasts. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of NPR, National Public radio i don't know if you guys can get that here but um mm -hmm. it's it's really awesome i love their work and um uh philip glass is one of my favorite storytellers he does such a great job and uh you know i i love the way that he interviews people i love the way that he leads listeners through stories it's just fascinating every minute of it is good um so i, I recommend that uh, for storytelling it'll make you a better um speaker it'll make you a better um listener and and I think that the other uh uh book I would uh, the the book I would recommend is well anything written by Richard Susskind which I mentioned during my talk is really valuable to all law students um especially his latest one tomorrow's lawyers mm -hmm. uh Susskind's probably best work I think most relevant work and um you know I think that that's uh that's where I would start there's been really great books um that I've I've uh, recommended in the past uh 
like The Startup of You by Reid Hoffman and Ben uh, Kasnocha. And actually, uh, in my talk last year, instead of accepting any fee for my travels or, you know, that the university was going to pay for my expenses to get here, I paid for my own expenses and I had them um, buy copies of Startup of You for all the attendees. Uh, oh, really? So everyone got that book. Nice. Um, I didn't work that deal this year. Yeah, but... no, we missed out. This year. <laughs> I was like, did I miss something this year? Because, uh, did we enter late or what? Yeah. Where's the book sign? Uh, so similar to your morning one, is there something that you do in the nighttime? Because uh, I know people like to maybe shut off their computer an hour before they go to bed and whatnot. Is there something that you follow as well? Um, yeah, I I feel like, uh, um, you know, I, I have to get better at that because I don't feel like I can shut off as easily uh, at night. But, um, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, responsibility on my shoulders uh, for clients, the, the lawyers who work for me and uh, the startup that I run, the consumers that are using that s startup from all over the world who are just getting up at the time I'm going to bed. So um, so it's, it's hard for me to shut off. But I think, um, you know, the most important thing, whether it's morning or night, is just to eat really healthy meals, move around a lot, not sit in one place. Mm -hmm. You know, try and use standing desks whenever possible. Uh, sitting down is actually very, very bad for you. So, um, so I think that that's uh, the biggest thing. And then try and shut everything off uh, in early enough where I can get about six hours at least of sleep. Sweet. So what let's. Else, sorry. What else do you want to improve? Um. Uh, world affairs. I don't know. I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd like to improve, um, I don't have to think about that. I feel like there's so many things I'd like to improve, but, um. It can, it can just be very immediate too. I mean, so I, I want to improve my quality of sleep. That's one thing I'm trying to, trying to do actively. Mm -hmm. I think my sleep. Not, not quite as lofty as World Affairs. Yeah, yeah. But one thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I think my sleep quality is, is probably pretty good. I think probably I'd, I'd want to improve, um, uh, continue improving access to justice for for um, mm. you know the general public. That's that's the big thing for me. Good. And you've already started on that with your first start of the, the startup that you have now. Startup documents. Startup yep. Documents. Mm -hmm. uh, can you speak a bit about that and what you're trying to really achieve using that model? Sure. So um, startup documents was something I launched uh, last year in response to uh, a growing concern that clients were having not being able to afford the very uh, foundational elements of their companies, so things like incorporation and, mm -hmm. you know, the initial contracts, the contractor agreements, the non-disclosure agreements, privacy policies for their websites, terms of service, and, um, you know, trying to set themselves up for that initial round of financing, whether it was an angel or a VC, uh, so that just to get to that point was costing them thousands of dollars, and, and uh, unfortunately that was just a hindrance. Uh, so I started this website to enable entrepreneurs to help themselves. It's a self-help site that uh, enables uh, founders to automate the legal incorporation and the document process. So that's such a cool initiative because you're absolutely right. When you're starting off, you have no idea what, what you're doing and kind of figuring out things one step at a time. And if your legal side can be simplified to that extent that you can just go on a website and do it, it makes your life so much more easier. That's right. Yeah. How much of your time does Startup Docs take at this point? Um, I would say a few hours a day. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes less, sometimes a little more, but a few hours a day. And, you know, it's relatively new. It's only about um, seven or eight months old. 
So thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. So so that's what's happening now. Who knows? Maybe if you ask me that question this time next year, it will be taking up my whole day. Yeah. yeah. So now, say, our listeners are mainly right now, say, law students, so second, third, first year law students. If you have to give them this one last piece of advice, what they should be doing while they're in law school, what would that be? So as a student, um, you shouldn't be too insular. You shouldn't be focused only on studying, like I said. So I would start a meetup group for uh, um, something that you enjoy doing. It, it really doesn't even have to be related to law, but it would be it would be nice if that's what you're interested in doing later. Um, and just trying to get out and meet as many people as possible, go to conferences, go to different events, even if they're free, and just say hello to people. You know, I think that the connections that you make uh, now are going to be really uh, valuable later on. But, um, you know, the other thing I would encourage is for people to share their ideas, to not protect them as though they're some kind of, uh, you know, um, treasure that can't be seen by anyone else. Uh, the likelihood that someone's going to drop everything they're doing and take your idea and, and run with it is very, very slim. Mm-hmm. Um, we we see that all the time. So, uh, you know, a lot of times startup founders don't even need to have other people uh, sign non-disclosure agreements because no one's really going to take their idea. <laughs> but sometimes it's necessary. And so that's what I would say is just to really get out there and share your ideas and listen and um, find some mentors, people who you really look up to and, and understand why you look up to them so that you can uh, take that path. Fantastic. If people want to check out uh, Bedrock, if they want to check out Startup Docs, anything else, where can they Yeah, so uh, Bedrock's website, uh, our law firm, which works primarily with startup companies in the tech space, is bedrocksf, that's in sanfrancisco.com. So bedrocksf.com is the law firm, and then uh, Startup Documents is startupdocuments.com, all one word. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. you. I enjoyed it. If you like what you just heard and you would like to hear more, Subscribe to The Law School Show on iTunes or anywhere else podcasts are available. If you would like to interact with us, learn more about our past guests, check out the blog, video, and more, go to thelawschoolshow.com. Speak to you soon.